Welcome to episode two of EvoTalks, a conversational podcast centered around all things logistics, where we get to learn from and learn about the people that make it go. EvoTalks is brought to you by EvoTrucks. Today's podcast, we've got a, a wonderful guest here, a guy I've known for quite a long time. Uh, writes a lot of uh, interesting uh, articles online uh, with a with a fun perspective, usually. Uh, so let me introduce to you guys to Mr. Phil Redekop. Welcome, Phil. Hey, thanks, Danny, and hello, everybody. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> awesome. So let's uh, let's just dive straight in. So, Phil, why don't uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are, <laughs> and let's start with outside of work. Okay, so my name is Phil Redekop, and uh, outside of work, I guess I'm a, a regular guy, uh, father of a little five-year-old boy. Um, as far as uh, hobbies and stuff, I mean, outside of logistics, uh, they're kind of few and far between, but I enjoy the occasional Formula One uh, Formula <laughs> One race. I follow that. Um, I like the gym. I like biking. I like cooking. I like eating. Um and and just sort of exploring uh, new and interesting things in and around the city. Nice. I, I actually didn't know you were an F1 fan. I'm also an F1 fan. Were you happy to see Lewis Hamilton uh, take the crown this year? Ambivalent. <laughs> uh, I mean, after, uh, you know, uh, two rate. I, I think it was over about, you know, the time uh, Ferrari yep. uh, wet the bed, <laughs> shall we say, midway through the season. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so uh, that, that's interesting. I didn't know about the F1 thing. We'll have to talk more about that another day. Okay, so let's dive uh, more into the uh, topic of the podcast here. So tell, tell us about your uh, logistics experience. Um, basically, that started when I was, uh, when I was fairly young. Uh, being a kid out of school, I, I found a job delivering car parts around the city in a, in a little vehicle. For Ford Ignition, right? For Ford that's Ignition, right. that's, that's right. The... We, <laughs> we go back. We share that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was driving around there, and I thought, you know, this is really cool. I sort of enjoy being out and, and uh, being out and about and everything. Uh, so I looked to sort of further that, uh, parlay it, you know, into, into more money. So I put myself <laughs> through truck driving school, uh, and, uh, I've done several jobs, trucking, um, basically anything in trucking that you can name any combination of, uh, combinations of vehicles. Right. <laughs> uh, I've, I've pulled them, uh, anywhere that they can be pulled, including, you know, from, uh, from ice roads, winter roads to, um, to Texas up to uh, northern northern BC. I haven't been to the northern uh, the uh, what do you call those things? The northern the, not the territories. The, yeah, the territories like Yukon and Alaska. Yeah, but don't they have a special name for them? Calhoun, <laughs> <laughs> the Northwest Territories. I don't think so. I think they're territories. Yeah, and the Yukon. Okay, the way north. We'll call it that. Right on. Uh, yeah, I haven't been uh, north of, <laughs> north of the southern provinces. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, I've been to all uh, lower forty eighth and uh, and um, so on and so forth. Um, and kind of interspersed with that is uh, experience in the office. So I've worked for for carriers all the way up to uh, uh, managing uh, oper uh, not operations manager, but the planning and the mm -hmm. uh, fleet management side of it. I've uh, worked with uh, shippers as well, um, managing transportation departments there. Um, 
And uh, most most recently, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I think the same time that you started uh, Evo Trucks, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, uh, I ventured out on my own as sort of a side project uh, and founded Bullwhip Logistics. Um, <clears throat> so that's been an adventure and a whole bunch of different new experiences um, that that I'm really excited to be a part of. So let me ask you this. You, you put yourself through driving school at a, I presume, pretty young age. <clears throat> well, Nin- 19, yeah. 19. What, what was that like? Like, you know, without having money behind you to go do it, were you working while you were going through driving school or did you save up before? Uh, no, the driving school was three weeks. Oh, okay. And uh, shout out to my dad. You always watch out for your credit score. So I was able to uh, <laughs> to get some financing to put myself through it. Uh, and I wasn't I wasn't working. No. Um, yeah, and that's basically it. I you know took a took a flyer kind of and. Uh, and did you find a, it, Did you find a job right away? Like back then, was it the same as now, where you had to have two years experience for most companies? Or it, it was, but there were ways <clears throat> around. Like I I got on uh, driving uh, team. Okay. Uh, Winnipeg to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. We did a switch oh, big with, hall. with another Calgary <laughs> team. Yeah, it was good. I slept on the way out. He slept on the way back, and uh, you know, it, it still was. Um, it was good. It was a learning experience. It's a good and, way to and, get the experience. Yeah. Yeah, and a good way to get in the industry. And then when I decided I was ready not to, uh, not to uh, put up with. You know, having another human being within three feet of me for twenty <laughs> hours a day. Um, I, uh, you know, we, we pulled the pin on that and, uh, and I started driving on my own. So how long did you drive a truck before you started getting into the office side of things? Boy, let me see. Um, between my license and trucking was probably about four, four years. Okay. Um, and the thing is I would get bored of trucking really, not bored, but I mean, as soon as the challenges run out, uh, it would become, you know, pretty routine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when it got to that time, it usually I would give myself no longer than, you know, one or two years in a, at a company. And then, and then I would take all my savings and, you know, being a young single guy driving <laughs> truck away from home with nothing to spend money on, it was yep. great. I would go on, uh, I would go traveling for, uh, every, every winter I would go somewhere that I'd never been before. So that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, then I made the mistake of, uh, deciding to go back to school, to university. <laughs> the <and> mistake. <laughs> It wasn't a mistake. Everything's everything's a good experience, a right. learning experience. Um, and at that time, I had an opportunity to, to buy a house, so I sort of settled down. Uh, and uh, one thing led to another at the uh, the company that I was currently at. Yep. Uh, they asked me to move inside of the office, and then shortly after that, they, they promoted me to a different um, position inside the office where I had a little more money and responsibility, and uh, that became my... I would say my first real daily eight to six grind. Eight to six. Yeah. <laughs> the extra hour. It was trans- to get things it done. Is transportation, <laughs> yeah. right? Awesome. I, I'm actually, uh, I find it fascinating that you, you drove and then you would take the winters off to travel. Uh, you know, I think for young people, if they wanted to do that, that's, that's a really cool idea. Although I, I wonder if it'd be pretty difficult today. I don't know how many companies would be excited about you taking the whole winter off. Well, uh, I think one of the things we're probably going to touch on uh, is how easy it is. Drivers are very in demand. Yeah. Um, and one of the benefits to the to truck driving as as a job or a career is uh, you get a you should get a 
pretty big tax refund. <laughs> you do it right. <laughs> Come March yeah. or April, if you do it right, <laughs> and and you plan stuff out ahead of time, and you know, no other expenses. The money just keeps on piling up in your bank account, which is you know a problem that I would love to have again today. Right. Um, that compounded with the tax refund, and it's a good time to take a break because you are working you know sixty, seventy hours a week. Uh, so, are, are you cases. talking as a as a company driver? Like obviously not somebody gets paid hourly. So owner operator, like you know, when you say there's there's nothing to spend your money on, I think uh, a lot of owner operators would probably challenge you and be like, "Hey man, <laughs> yeah, they'd probably throw a tire at me or something, <laughs> yeah, or, that's right, yeah. or a recap because it's difficult affording new tires these days." But yeah, when you were doing that though, you were you were a company driver, sort of paid yeah. by the mile or the hour, and company yeah, truck. I yeah. was. Makes sense. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, for those of you who, who don't know Phil, uh, I've got to know him for, uh, we worked together for a while, we've known each other for quite a while. Uh, Phil tends to have an interesting perspective on things, uh, tends to make me laugh. I don't know if he's going to have anything brilliant or hilarious to say here, but uh, w- one thing I want to do is I want to play uh, a, a rapid fire game with you. I've got, got a few uh, few names and words I want to throw at you, and you just, you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Sound good? Sounds good. Awesome. Okay, we're going to start. Let's go with driver shortage. What driver shortage? <laughs> what driver shortage? Well, in in the U.S., they are at capacity and finally starting to pay more money. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of a believer in market economics, mm-hmm. and it, it really seems like it's been a long time since truck drivers have had a raise. Yes, big time. Yeah. In fact, it looks like they've gone down over the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah. yeah. If you adjust to inflation, it doesn't, you know, it's not a very pretty picture if you're on the driver's side of things. Um, in the in the States, I know that the salaries or the, the per mile, uh, whatever rate they're paying has started to creep up. I know yep. several carriers have done uh, multiple increases in a year yep. uh, to, to try and keep up uh, and improve conditions and so on and so forth. In Canada, I don't see that yet. Right. And that's, you know, primarily where I live and work. So, um, either, so either, either the market isn't adapting to reality or it's the other way around and my assumptions are all wrong. So so we see stats out there saying that today uh, the industry is short about 50,000 trucks, or drivers, and 2026 they say 175,000. So you figure it's not necessarily that the drivers are short, it's that the drivers that are there are finally getting the amount of work they should at the rates that they should? Is that what you're At the rates that the market can bear. If the market decides that it needs to move the freight that badly and it turns out that the only bottleneck is the drivers, rates should go up. Um, Maybe it's not profitable for these companies to move that freight at anything more that they're paying the drivers. Maybe they figure they can just get away with it. Um, But if the industry forecasts are really for you know fifty thousand more drivers, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to cannibalize the uh, the existing work work for the existing drivers that are here. That's interesting. That's interesting. This is, this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I find this interesting, so I want to keep going on it a little bit. Uh, so when we had uh, our last guest here, Ross, on uh, well, the last episode, we talked a little bit about driver shortage too, and, and he was uh, saying similar things to you. And, and, and I I sort of asked this question was if the drivers drive the prices up because they deserve a raise. They're also the end consumer, right? They're part of the end consumer group. Mm-hmm. So is it a good thing if they drive the price of transport up? Because at the end of the day, that price gets reflected on the shelves 
and they wind up paying more anyways. Is it kind of a catch-22 in your mind? Yeah, it is a catch-22, and you look at it. Um, you see, this is unfortunate that I that I went to school because I, <laughs> I, I, sort of, I sort of knew all this a while ago, and now I forget, so it's just a, a hazy. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's just like a ground floor uh, economic thing. If you raise uh, the cost of everything from, you know, say your average basket of goods that every – human uh, in our society needs yep. um wages go up it just it it increases inflation and that sort of compounds um the way that drivers have been getting paid um you know a, a lot of these companies uh do uh increases as few as every five years or maybe even right. more yeah um so that it i mean it needs to catch up yep it needs to catch up I agree. Uh, and, and we said in the last episode, and I'll say it again, and it's why we started Evo Trucks, is uh, I don't think the solution is necessarily, and this is my opinion, to drive prices through the roof. I think it's to increase efficiency. If drivers can move more loaded miles than empty miles, they get paid more, even if the rates per mile aren't higher. So uh, anyways, we'll just we'll just throw that out there and we'll we'll talk more about Evo Trucks another day. <laughs> okay, moving on to on our rapid fire game. Uh, last mile delivery. Crowded city streets. Yeah. Okay. Good. Very good. Uh, NAFTA slash USCMA. Terrible new acronym. <laughs> Autonomous trucks. Possible solution. Okay. Trump. <laughs> <clears throat> Perfect. <laughs> uh, moving on. Trudeau. Seems soft, and I'm tired of being told what my Canadian values are. But uh, seems like an agreeable guy. Nice. <laughs> In comparison. <laughs> In comparison, yeah. If you had to d- choose one and deal with one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, let's uh, jump on to the next thing here. So uh, what do you think is the number one biggest challenge the logistics industry uh, will face over the next five years? Hmm. That is a very good question. Um I think I'm more fascinated by the pace of change. Um, for example, these uh, and 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 the enormity of change, uh, sort of within the grasp of certain people in certain areas. Um, the second to last question, President Trump, uh, <laughs> just deciding that you know we're we're gonna fix our trade imbalance. I mean that's another whole nother discussion for another mm-hmm. podcast whether that's going to work or not um but just deciding that okay we want we want 50 billion dollars of tariffs you know in in several rounds in succession uh just the amount of change and ripple effect that that can have in supply chains um you know and never mind the manufacturers in in china people buying from them um people supplying to them uh everything everything has a knock-on effect yeah. um and I mean, he was imposing tariffs in the double digits on some products, and uh-huh. these are these are mostly consumer products, right? Um, so, just the, the amount of change and the speed of change um, that one person has the capacity to affect is just kind of crazy. Um, it's recently, you know, it, just mind blowing. Um, empty, empty miles, uh, I think capacity and usage is going to become a lot more 
of a challenge, but mm -hmm. I think the challenge is going to be imminently more solvable as right. well uh, with with technology coming into effect yep. uh, and, and more visibility throughout entire supply chains. So safe to say that, that politics affecting economics would be your major concern. Yeah, that would be my bullet point answer. Yeah, bullet point answer. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. It's, it's, it's yeah. Uh, I, I have the question here, how do you think we should best address it? But I don't know if there's an answer for that one. Other than get out and vote. Oh, I know. I, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's just one. I guess it's um, kind of an impetus for uh, people, you know, people the most affected by all these changes, which um, are mostly, I, I don't want to, you know, self-aggrandize, but people yeah. in the logistics industry, right? Yeah. Uh, for for a lot of people in in finance or, or other aspects of it, it's it's money. It's moving money. It's not something that you can do something about. Yeah. Other than look at your P and L. Right. Um, and you know maybe cry into your soup <laughs> a little bit. Daily. Right? But uh, <laughs> but uh, people in logistics have the opportunity and and the challenge to find some of those. Uh, ways to relocate assets, um, maybe add some more visibility to the supply chain mm -hmm. so that when changes like these come around at the last minute, that we can adapt quickly to them and in the most efficient way possible. That's a, that's an interesting thought. And, and, uh, and I think you're right. Uh, my question would be how often does the logistics industry, I'll talk North America cause that's where I know change quickly to anything <laughs> Ooh, boy <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the big challenges coming up i think well look at look at one of the um how old is the shipping container i think it's uh 60 years old now yep that is a modern invention yeah and that that revolutionized um the way supply chain and logistics and and the way freight moves from overseas um you that's know all point. over the world yep. now yeah so change is possible fairly quickly um standardization and and so on and so forth but yep. um it is possible good point i think good point all right so that was talking about the biggest challenge uh, what do you think is the number one biggest opportunity or advancement that we'll see in the next five years in the next five years i think we're i, I mean there's several in the pipeline right mm -hmm. everybody mentions uh drone deliveries uh autonomous trucks last mile yep um and I think blockchain is another one that's mentioned quite often, um, and and it's quite often lauded as the solution to and the, the savior kind of to well, to yeah. all logistics related problems. But I, I I think that's going to be a big one and possibly one that's implemented uh, sooner than all the others. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. A lot uh, of uh, shipping <clears throat> shipping container uh, shipping lines have uh, just created a massive merger like. Uh, Maersk, uh, Haypag, uh, and the entire One Alliance. Really? Which is a conglomerate of conglomerates. Wow. Basically, the container shipping industry <laughs> has, has all agreed to form a, uh, a board or a committee or an association or something along those lines to, to govern the use of uh, blockchain and technology, I suppose other technologies as well, to provide more visibility to all the users and you know just industry-wide kind of improve communication. It's a it's a very interesting topic and, and not one we'll get to, into too deep here today, but I think we'll bring, <clears throat> we'll find an expert on it. We'll bring it in, uh, bring them in at some point. Because I don't know, I don't quite understand the the blockchain desire in, in transportation. Um, 
to me it it feels like trying to force a solution in an area where there isn't quite a, a real problem for that solution but again it could be it could be my lack of understanding and, and hey if anybody out there in uh, Facebook land or or, uh, or internet land uh, has any thoughts on that, I'd be uh, real curious to hear it and, and have a conversation with you online. Okay, so uh, we've we've uh, asked you a bunch of tough questions there. You you did awesome. That's great. So let's let's relax a little bit and and let's uh, jump into something really familiar. So let, let's talk about Bulwark Logistics, your your company. So uh, tell us about it. What is it? Uh, well, my company I started in 2017. Um, and what can I say about Bullwhip? Uh, it started it's got a great off logo. I'll give you that much. It, it does have a great logo. <laughs> I like it. Thank you very much, uh, World Wide Web <laughs> Internet Services. Um, it's pretty cool. Check it out: www.bullwhiplogistics.ca, all one word. And uh, I, I started it to start a company. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds, uh, you know, it, it sounds funny to say, but. Um, I've one of the things I've learned is especially with me is if I don't force myself to do something mm-hmm. it's you know it, it's it's an uh willpower yep manifested uh so I just started it not knowing entirely what I was doing or having a plan um sort of a year down the road I have found uh what I want to do and what I'm good at doing which is helping uh small to medium sized businesses find efficiencies in their transportation and their logistics. Uh, so that's that's the point of it now. There's a bunch of different ways that, that I can accomplish that. But, so, uh, so is it a bit of a, a consulting business is a big piece of what you're doing? Yes, there's a, a consulting aspect uh, to it. Uh, there's also a freight brokering business mm-hmm. uh, that I do through SPI. SBI Logistics, mm-hmm. as they're now called. Um, so there's there's that aspect, um, and the uh, the consulting part of it, I'm trying to gear toward a more um, the, the smaller side businesses, trying to help them grow their logistics, yep. um, outsource what needs to be outsourced if they would like to focus only on their core competencies, and uh, and build their brand and uh, pour the the savings they get from uh, from the logistics. Part of it, uh, the increased efficiencies, pour that back into sales and marketing, uh, R and D, whatever they see fit. I think I think that's a that's a great uh, point because I think there's a lot of those small to medium sized businesses that struggle heavily with their logistics side of their business, where it eats up a lot of their time and a lot of their money that could be going into growing their business. So uh, kudos to you, and I hope that uh, that jumps off for you. Uh, so I, I want to shift a little bit here. We're talking about uh, Bullwhip, your company. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, so I want to shift a little bit over to entrepreneurship. And, and the reason I want to do that is in our industry, there's tons of entrepreneurs, whether they're small business owners, uh, owning trucking companies or uh, shippers, manufacturers, whatever they're doing, all the way down to owner operators who are their, their own uh, bosses and own their own companies. So you had said, I started a company to start a company. Uh, why? I'm, I'm curious. Like, why? What interested you about becoming an entrepreneur? I think I perform best when I believe in in what I'm doing, when I believe in the services that I can offer, and that I am accountable to mostly myself. Of course, I'm I'm accountable to whoever I'm I'm advising or doing work for. Right. 
Um, but I think if, if, if I can focus on, on that instead of, um, extraneous things like bosses or having to worry about how something I do in one department yep. affects another department and, and, you know, maybe hurts some feelings or, or whatnot, I can just go in and, um, try to do the best job that I can do for the company as a whole or for the, the person that is asking me to do this. Interesting. Okay. Is it fair to say that uh, I find you to be quite a creative uh, individual, that entrepreneur entrepreneurship gives you the freedom to be a little more creative than you could be in a, in a structured environment? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think kind of what what comes with that is your your backers. I mean, uh, yourself as well. Are, you're a very creative person, right? Yep. And uh, everybody works for somebody, be it be it uh, backers or venture capitalists, yep. uh, uh, nine to five boss, yep. or um, or people that hire you for uh, for consulting or logistics. Right. Um, you have to answer to to somebody. those people. Yep. You have to answer to somebody, and if they don't like it, um, they can just cut you loose and they'll they'll have no compulsion uh to tell you otherwise I right think. so if I, i'm the type of person if i do a bad job i would rather hear it i want to hear it right i don't want something festering or lingering um but that's uh it, it's a much more immediate and accountable yes. way to operate i think <laughs> if you're doing a bad job you're gonna know about an entrepreneurship pretty quick yeah, yeah. you make a mistake you better fix it <laughs> yeah Awesome. So uh, for, for the listeners at home that might be thinking about uh, going into entrepreneurship, what, what are two or three of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, since becoming an entrepreneur? Okay, I think I can start with um, the, the reason I started a business. Start it. Start it now. If, if you're thinking of it, um, a lot of the stuff that, that I've seen uh, from from people giving direction or advice to entrepreneurs uh, your your business your direction is probably going to change two three four times you know your it's v the likelihood of you ending up doing exactly what you intended to when you started is slim to none right so you're going to change direction start it figure it out don't be afraid to make mistakes um, that's what's going to lead you to the right path exactly Making mistakes and adjusting exactly yeah. that's yeah. how you're going to find out where your strengths lie and as an entrepreneur assuming you're starting a fairly small business i mean you want to play to to your strengths you right. want to focus on something you don't want to be spread out all over the map um sorry that was kind of a rapid fire answer no in, that was a good in, one though, in yeah. one run on sentence yep <laughs> so uh i think we we almost kind of answered this one, but I'll ask it anyway, see if anything different comes out. Uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to start a new small business, particularly in, in our industry? Um, in our industry, well, here's one that I, I thought of. Um, one thing that has helped is uh, everybody would talk about building your brand. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can be really a good thing to do um, before, when, or and especially during your your business as you're starting up, um, people don't know you outside of your immediate circles of who you who you talk to on the phone at least. Email right. doesn't count. Yep. Um, unless they know your work and you've been working with them for a long time. So one way to build credibility is to show that you've been doing whatever you're doing, that you're interested in it, that you're passionate in it, that you're creative about it and that you offer 
maybe some insights or some ways of doing things that other people do not currently offer. Maybe you have a really cool logo. Design that first and yeah. then just uh, stick it on blurbs that if you don't know what to write about, write about anything. That's another thing. Give yourself permission to do bad work. Yeah. Do bad work. Put it out there. Uh, how did they, What's that saying, Danny? Perfection is the enemy of... How does that go? I don't know, the, but the I know gist, where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah, the gist of it is if you spend all the time trying to make something perfect, you will never get anything done. Yeah. That's sort of the lean startup uh, philosophy yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, Put something sure. ugly out before it's perfect the because point, the perfect thing is probably not going to be what you think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the point is, is the amount. The point is presence and consistency. Yeah. Uh, so you want to be showing up in people's social feeds or in people's inboxes on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, you, you want to remind them. And that's one of the hardest things that, that I have to learn. And I imagine yeah. you, maybe you as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> that you have to be consistent about yeah. that. If, if you fall off the radar, you're off the radar. I think it's interesting that where you're going with that. And, and I'm thinking specifically to, uh, uh, owner operators, say, uh, younger people that are looking to get into a truck and start their own business. Um, I think, you know, with social media now, as as many down hours as there are driving a truck where you're just driving across the road, uh, there's a lot of events that happen. Avoid that the temptation, drivers. <laughs> but there's a lot of interesting events that happen in, in, a, in a driver's life. And starting a YouTube channel or, or posting on social media and doing a good job and making sure people understand what you're doing to set yourself apart, I think could really make a big difference for owner-operators. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, to, to get something out there. there. There are so many ideas that you could just run with. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, driving a truck, you have no time but to sit and think about <laughs> about right. all these weird scenarios yeah. that may or may not be true. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all over the road, all over the country, and you run into some characters, let me tell you. Yeah. So there's, there's no shortage of that either. The thing almost writes itself. That's right. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Well, let's, uh, it was great. Let's, let's finish up. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find uh, you, uh, your articles that you write, Bullwhip. How, how do people uh, get a hold of you? Oh, boy. Uh, I was just talking about consistency. So uh, let's um, www.bullwhiplogistics.ca. The word bull, the word whip, logistics.ca. All one word. Uh, that's my website where I have a, uh, I forget what it's called, news or blog or updates or pertinent, words. You know, whatever. Yep. Yeah, words. <laughs> You combination find, of find that section, <laughs> click on it. Uh, there's a, a sign-up link for the newsletter, uh, as well as the blog, and and Lord knows what else. I highly recommend uh, signing up for his his newsletter and his blog. Uh, Phil's a, a very talented writer, and uh, and always writes uh, in an enjoyable fashion that that will give you a chuckle as you're going through it. I do appreciate the appreciation. <laughs> so awesome. So we're gonna wrap it up there. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to thank you again, Phil, for uh, for joining us. So thanks for being here. And, uh, and obviously a, a big thank you goes out to our producer, Ben Arjang of Past Bedtime Studios. Uh, without him, we'd just be two guys talking in a room. Mm-hmm.